Welcome to the Disco Tech Podcast, Ian Lake. Uh, we enjoyed your performance as Toller so much this season on Star Trek Discovery, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. This is my first podcast. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so we actually wanted to get the fandom involved, and we asked our followers Great. on Twitter to submit some questions. So we're excited to ask you on their behalf. Um, okay. So this first one is from Andy Boldly. Uh, was curious how you felt when you first saw yourself in hair and makeup and how or how that may have influenced the way that you portrayed this character. Um, yeah, that's a great question because so much of how I think I'm going to play something is based on how it will look on me. And the moment they lay that face over top of yours, it's just completely new version of yourself you you get to play with you know like the way you the tilt of of a head all of a sudden carries a different um communicates something different because you're wearing a different face on so the process was interesting because it takes a while so it's not just like you 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 they turn you around and look in the mirror the first time and voila like you watch it going on and you sort of see your face changing and then they add this part and then they tuck this part in and all of a sudden you start to see this version of yourself but it i still saw myself in it it's weird but my friends say they don't recognize me but yeah i, I look wondering is there a lot of prosthetic because it it does seem very different than it's full prosthetic. Yeah, it's there's a video on my Twitter of the uh, it's like a, a fast what's it called a, a time lapse video of the process. Yeah. It's like a minute and a half of me getting into it and getting out of it. Um, and it was a full a full facial prosthetic. I know in the past they've just used green makeup for Orion's, but and there's been a bit of chatter on the on the on Twitter about people saying why have they changed the way they're doing Orion's and the truth is I think Discovery has always tried to reimagine ways that they explore different races and species and involve new technology and the prosthetic mm -hmm. world has changed so much since even since you know they did it on Enterprise or whenever the last time they had um uh Orion's on a show so they're just trying to explore new ways and they're such brilliant artists so why not try yeah. a heightened look where my like my cheekbones and my jaw was bigger and but I will say this the moment I put that wig on that that was it like they showed me the wig I would I imagine myself being bald-headed for some reason and then Ryan Reed who's the head of wigs there who brought the wig into the prosthetics trailer to just show me it was just on his hand and he showed me this wig and I was like sort of surprised by the bangs, you know, and I was like, interesting choice. <laughs> and then he put it on, he put it on my head and it was like, oh, this is everything. I understand who this person yeah. is now. He's someone's nephew, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and so it was, it was great because it, it takes so much pressure off to create this character because you have these amazing professionals sort of supporting you and lifting lifting what you bring and the essence of the character made sense to me from the audition because the auditions are all sort of fake audition scenes um but it was clearly a guy in a position of power who didn't really have the credibility to back it up and and that core the core of that combined with the look 
it just kind of made it like, oh, okay, now I just have to not screw this up. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what this was like working with Jonathan Frakes and Mulder Snort from Twitter was asking what it was like to be working alongside Michelle Yeoh. Oh, well, I mean, I think I was really lucky with mm. everyone with everyone I got to work with because there's not a lot of guest roles where they get to spend the entire episode with just Giorgio and Burnham. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I spent seven days just hanging out with Michelle Yeoh and Sonequa Martin-Green, who are just two of the most phenomenal human beings I've ever met. And Michelle, especially because we had most of our scenes together just sparring opposite each other and she couldn't be mm. a, a more loving generous play playful kind person um and she has so much fun getting to be Giorgio. like she just really it comes off on screen you can tell that she's just enjoying herself immensely so i i just felt like the luckiest person in the world and then what was great was um you know Frakes directed the second episode I was in and we were in the in the midst of shooting episode 306 with um Doug Arniakoski directing and and Doug and Jonathan know each other so well they work they've worked together on Picard and Doug's directed other Disco discovery episodes and and yes. uh so John Jonathan came on set to just kind of say hi and hang out while Doug was directing and that's when I met Jonathan for the first time and he came up to me yeah. and said oh I get to I get to kill you off and <laughs> you know and <laughs> And he is everything you want him to be, you know, like he's so, he's so joyful and, and kind and he, and he's, he's playful and he, and he has a, a great love for what he does. So he, he's just having fun while he directs. And for us to direct that scene, which had a lot of comedy in it, the little, little, the scene with Osira and the death and everything, like uh, we had a lot of fun. Yeah. So yeah, I had, I, I felt, I felt very fortunate with my Trek experience. That's cool. We were thinking how creepy that set looked at the end where he, your character meets his fate with those trans worms. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. AJ Halliwell asked if you got to see the concept art before filming that scene in the sanctuary or was that a surprise? Um, that's interesting. Um, because I think I saw a storyboard. But I was already there. I I seem to remember seeing a storyboard when I was, when we were just about to shoot that scene. So I know I don't think I got to see any concept art, although they're they're incredible, um, especially because most of the people working on Trek are people who grew up being fans of Trek art and therefore turned that passion into a career. Most of the writers on Trek have spent their lives appreciating Trek. And like, so there would be a situation where, you know, we're in the middle of shooting a scene and then I go stand next to the monitor and I'll see a little card next to the monitor of, of the storyboard. Oh, you know what? It was not then. It was the scene, the opening scene of 306 when, when they're introducing Han Hao and Giorgio and Tolor are walking and, and, and there's that nice big establishing shot of the planets floating above, uh, the, the, sorry, the spaceships floating above them and, and yeah. all the, all the bit pieces of ships in the rubble and stuff. And, and, um, I, 
I got to see the storyboard of that while we were shooting and all the imagined stuff that wasn't actually there and what it was going to look like. And, but no, the, the tank, the, 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 the cage, they just built that whole thing just to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, I wonder if it'll, if it'll play later in the season, if like somebody else will end up in the pit. But, uh, from what I know, from what I know, they just built it for that. And it's pretty amazing the work that goes into just that 20 seconds of film, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, oh, Noah posted a picture of, like, Guitar Hero game controllers from the set. Oh, But oh, there yeah. any other, like, cool finds in those bins that you noticed? Well, there's one thing that actually I took. I had um, asked permission if I could snap personal photos on my 35 millimeter camera uh in black and white which i won't post or share because i'm not allowed to and they're also they're personal but there's one thing that actually played it played in the episode when um it's the opening uh part of a shot when burnham is actually seeing a, a a a bowl full of old federation badges old starfleet badges yeah yeah and digging mm-hmm. through that particular thing was pretty great because they had pretty much like every incarnation of of Trek, every different badge was in that, including some Klingon badges. Um, and they had like a TNG badge right on the top, at, like prominently. Um, and they were also like all rusted out because they were hundreds of years old in the story. And it was a really cool artifact. I was less uh i was i didn't play a lot of video games as a kid so maybe me and noah just had different experiences in that but i was i was i was less less fixated on the on the gadgets and a little more fixated on how am i gonna um step up to michelle yo in this next scene here (laughs) yeah but it was a cool it was a really cool set they basically took every keyboard and computer chip they could find and threw it in a bin. It was it was awesome what they created. That's cool. Larry Tex from Twitter asks, what, what do you think the Mirror Universe version of Tolor would be like? Oh, well, isn't everyone in the Mirror Universe, like, worse? And less moral? And... I've seen some jokes that the in the mirror universe Tolor would be like a really great guy. Like like a really <laughs> which, which I love I kinda love that idea that like he's 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 like one of the few people that stands for justice in, in the Terran world, you know? Like um um yeah, I would love I would love for that to happen somehow in the story that I get to go back and do him as a as like a heroic heroic man. But I, I think I honestly think it takes all the fun out of the character. I think him being an incompetent bully is is what makes him who he is. Fair. Uh, so you were saying you didn't really know what you were auditioning for. So was there anything else like that was really secretive about the set, or like did you even know you were auditioning for Star Trek? Yeah, I did because I've audi- I I've auditioned for Star Trek many times. I live in Toronto where it's filmed, mm-hmm. and so usually I'm auditioning for guest parts and and I've been very close to getting cast in in other Star Trek roles um in the past and it's it's generally they call them dummy sides 
where the mm-hmm. the names of the characters are made up and the scenario is made up, but it's more like the dynamic between the people that is is what they're representing. And then also the heightened aspect of the language. Like, can you handle a bunch of space words and make them sound mm. natural? Mm-hmm. But I've, I've auditioned for it enough times to know the, that when that's the code name for Star Trek. And what's funny is <laughs> the code name for Star Trek in the casting department and the code name for Star Trek on set are different. And neither of them are Star Trek. Um, <laughs> th- um, but no, there's, there's just a lot more in terms of like just even saying, oh, yeah, I, I just got a role on Star Trek. Like I had to keep my my mouth shut about pretty much everything. And it was one of the more exciting jobs I've had. So it's usually the things that are that you want to talk about the most that you're never allowed to talk about. Um, <laughs> that makes yeah. sense. But no, I you know, what's funny, though, is that I I've been I've been close to getting a role on Star Trek many times, but. This one was by far the best one I had auditioned for. Like I was glad it didn't happen yet, you know. Like I was mm-hmm. glad I was glad this one. And but what's in, but you don't really know what you're agreeing to. So I I got to be pleasantly surprised when I read the script for the first time, um, because I said yes to it only having done a fake scene, you know. Like, mm-hmm. and the character's name was Tolor in the scene, but that's about it. There was reference to Lorel in the scene. But I knew that it wasn't, he wasn't Klingon. I knew it wasn't like, I knew they were moving beyond that. They moved, right. I knew they had moved mm-hmm. a thousand years in the future and Laurel didn't come with them. So <laughs> I knew, I, I knew what I was reading was fake, basically, you know? So yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. So this next one comes from Cats at the Disco and David Oates Music on Twitter. How long did the makeup take for this role? And something that came up a lot, a Kermit the Frog reference, is it easy being green? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, uh, that was a new experience for me dealing with prosthetics. Um, But I come from the theater world where uh, you end up taking on, like, I come from a classical theater world where you do a lot of Shakespearean stuff where you wear cumbersome wigs and costumes and, and have to create a a, a world that is not the natural world we live in. So it felt somewhat familiar. Like it felt, I I didn't feel like, Oh, how am I going to do with this prosthetics? I felt like, Oh, this will be fine. I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll be good. I'll be good at this. Um, But the process itself took about three hours every morning, uh, including the wig um, so I would go in and they would do the, all the prosthetics and then I'd go over to the wig, to the hair and makeup trailer and they'd put my wig on and then I would go back to the prosthetics and they would do touch-ups. Because what's amazing is it's not just putting the thing on, then they airbrush all these sh- all these blemishes and shading and they airbrush context and contour. I mean, the artistry is really remarkable. So I, I didn't find it hard. Honestly, the, the toughest part is... Um, what it does to your skin over time if you do several days in a row and I had one week where I was in every day for about 15 hours a day and your skin's just not getting oxygen but I was quite comfortable throughout the day it was usually at the end of the day when they take it off that you realize how tired you are Um, uh, Mm -hmm. and you just kind of you just kind of coast through it during the day but it wasn't hard being green 
Um, I, I had nothing but the most fun I've ever had. There was no part of it that felt arduous or, um, uh, like a chore or, oh, I like this job. It's worth putting up with X, Y, or Z. Like I, I just, the long days could have gone on longer because it was such a great environment and such a happy working space. That's great to hear. Great. Yeah. Uh, this one is from Rockin' Robin on Twitter. Ian, I love your performance at Tolor. Star Trek has a history of bringing back actors in other roles. Would you come back to Star Trek and what pieces would you like to play? <laughs> well, first of all, thank you. That's very kind. Um, yes, of course. I mean, I'm, I was, you know, before I left, I was like, you're bringing me back, right? You're bringing me back. Um, <laughs> there was uh, a lot of talk Um as I was, especially once the script for, for 308 came out, because I didn't know when I was shooting 306, I didn't know what was going to happen with Tolor. So, of course, mm -hmm. when I first got that script, I was like, I didn't know. They said they had held me for, for some, to be able to do something with me in the future, but I had no idea where it was, where the story was going. So I read mm -hmm. that script for the first time and, there was like a bittersweet moment where we were all in the cast like, oh, we were just getting used to you being around and now you're going to be gone. So they already started to yes. talk. Aww. At that point, I already started to to start to bid for future uh, roles because I know <laughs> I, I know there was a lot of talk about how in the history of Star Trek, there's been several actors who have come on multiple times. I yeah, yeah. I said I said to Frakes before I on my last day, I said, um, I want to play a Borg. But but he was like, that's oh. the worst. Uh, that's the most amount of time in a makeup chair you could possibly spend, you know. But I think in my head, I mm -hmm. had the version of Picard as a Borg, which was really clean and like nice looking, you know. Like and then mm -hmm. I and then I Google imaged it and real and remembered that it's like super super heavy silicone wires coming out of your face everywhere. Maybe maybe a human. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like I, I I honestly I honestly wouldn't mind getting to show my face on the show so that would be fun but i um yeah i don't know i mean i was looking at jeffrey combs uh um catalog the other day and yeah. and he did yeah. some interesting stuff that only appeared like once you know like he had mm -hmm. that weird that weird character that was well the, all his characters were weird but he had that weird guy with the sort of like square mouth who was kind of like Oh, the one who's weirdly into Kira? Yeah, he was just really yeah. weird. Like, something yeah. weird like that. Like, that would be a cool thing to just invent a, a species or something like that, you know? Like, mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I would be down to do a Borg storyline. That would be sweet to see what, what the Borg is like in in a thousand years in the future, you know? Yeah. Definitely. I would love to yeah. see the cast of Discovery meet a Borg, because I just feel like their minds would be blown. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and they haven't done it on the show yet. You know, it's it's definitely there. It's got to come out at some point, doesn't it? I hope so. It's one of my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna be like Ian. Stop, stop spreading, <laughs> stop spreading fan fan rumors. <laughs> what, what was it like? Uh, because you seem very personable and friendly in real life. <laughs> what was it like playing a bully kind of a character? That well, I mean, one admittedly that you know we kind of love to hate, and we were secretly rooting for, and sad that you know he passed. 
<laughs> Thank you. First of all, that was my hope. Um, well, you know, it, I am, I think I'm personable, but I, I play a villain a lot. I have a lot of love for playing villains and I, I, I actually like, it's something I tell my representation that like, I like to play the bad guy. Please put me up for roles where I have to be an asshole or I have to be a bully or I have to be rude. <laughs> and it's not often that you actually get to be written a character who is the the opposition, he's the foil, he's the baddie, but there's a layer to him that they they gave Tolor a layer. It was in the it was I could sense it in the fake script I got for the audition that that hu humanized him and made you enjoy hating him. And I yeah. think I think it came out mostly with the fun that Giorgio had in in just beating him at every turn. And um <laughs> Yeah. And like there's this great moment that I didn't think was actually being filmed. I thought they were using a different camera angle to capture this, but it turned out in the episode, which is where she says to him, um, where's the control for that perimeter fence? And he says, I can't tell you. And she says, I know it's in your pocket because you keep touching it. And then she just walks away. And there's a little bit of dialogue between Giorgio and Burnham where they sort of hush hush, you know, you know, uh -huh. check in on the plan. And in the uh -huh. background, not knowing I was on camera, I was just improvising this thing where I turn back to my guards and I get mad at them for allowing me to look stupid in front of the woman. Yeah. Um, and I just sort of wave my arm at them and say some stuff. And I'm like, you guys make sure that doesn't happen. Or I don't remember what I said, but I was, I laughed so hard that that made it in because it is actually such an element of that character that makes you kind of laugh at him and then when he dies you're like oh what i what bring the bring the jerk back you know and yeah. <laughs> so really i won't lie like it is in my 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 aim for him to be a guy you hate but but so start to want to keep around you know and mm -hmm. and cuz i love watching those characters i recently watched Die Hard, which is at the moment, um, you know, we're getting near Christmas, so it's like high on everyone's yeah. list. And Alan Rickman is an actor who I've always really looked to because he played the villain a lot, but he played the villain you root for. And when they die, you're like, no, you know, and um, and that definitely. is such a fun job to have. So... I mm -hmm. wouldn't mind if they brought me back as different villains and I wouldn't mind if they gave me things that were totally different. And I just, it's such a fun place to work. I, I, I miss it. Watching it again made me remember how much fun I had. And, and I was there for a brief moment, but I really felt like a part of the family. Like they still are, they're saying once, once we're allowed to, you know, have a games night. We'll bring you back in for games night. I'm like, sure. I was there for a week and a half, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Ian. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, thanks for having and, uh, me on, you guys. Thank I'm you. hoping when I post this interview, I will have a little Tolor-inspired artwork to go with it. Oh, I would be honored. You have no idea. Yeah, I'm excited about that. So Amazing. thank you so much. Well, thanks, you guys. Thank you. Thanks for being thank such, you very much. such great fans and for having me on. Definitely. No problem. Okay. Thank, Good night, thank guys. You. Thanks. Bye. Thanks.